It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Now, you're listening to the Red Seed Podcast. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. Keaton DeRocher and Bob Osgood. Sale winds, he fires. Swing and a miss, take play, it's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I'm joined by Keaton DeRocher and Bob Osgood of Over the Monster for episode 307 of the show. On today's show, we have something a little bit special for you. There's been a lot of negative talk about the Red Sox, so we have decided to surprise you by not talking about the Red Sox at all. Uh, Today's podcast is going to be a comprehensive preview of the American League. So what we're going to do is get you caught up on what teams from every division around the American League have done in terms of key additions, key subtractions, strengths and weaknesses, and some key questions uh, that are going on with these particular teams. So hopefully by the end of this, you will have a good sense of what the American League landscape looks like and what the Red Sox are going to have to contend with this year. As always, you can reach out to the podcast and email us at redseatpodcast at gmail.com. We do like getting your questions there. Um, We're not going to address any questions today because this is going to be a little bit of a comprehensive show. So let's just get right into it, gentlemen. Um, No formalities. Uh, I assume you're all doing well. If you're not, you're about to be doing pretty well because we're going to be talking about the AL East here, uh, which is, you know, always, always a fun one to talk about. Uh, The first team we're going to break down is the hated Yankees. Some key additions they made this offseason. They traded for Juan Soto and Trent Grisham. They also traded for Alex Verdugo, signed Marcus Stroman. And uh, guys that they lost, subtractions. Luis Severino, Michael King, who was part of that uh, Juan Soto trade. Frankie Montas. Um, Overall, you know, decent-looking baseball team here. It looks like Rondon is finally healthy. Judge and Soto might be the best combo in all of baseball. Um, and their rotation and bullpen is still very strong. Uh, but my big question with the Yankees is kind of like, you know, is this lineup too dependent on Soto and Judge? Uh, because they have had uh, Soto, uh, Judge in particular, has had health issues in the past. Yeah, I'll, I'll start. I, I think that this lineup is a lot more makes a lot more sense to me this year than it did a year ago. I agreed with you a year ago. This year, I think this lineup is excellent. Um, 
I have questions about the pitching, but geez, you put Juan Soto into that two hole ahead of Aaron Judge. You've got Rizzo coming back off of the, he had concussion issues down the stretch. He should hit 30 home runs in that stadium like he was doing down the stretch two years ago when they traded for him. I really like Glaber Torres. They bring Alex Verdugo in. Anthony Volpe is a 2020 guy a year ago as a rookie at 22 years old and should be even better this year. And then they've got the wild card who should come off the, the IL around June or July and Jason Dominguez. And, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Giancarlo Stanton will be hurt at some point this season, and Dominguez will probably slide right into that DH spot while he's still recovering from Tommy John. So I feel like this is a lineup that goes seven deep in terms of hitters that I would trust. Um, I don't feel the same way about the rotation. I don't care that they brought Stroman in. I still feel like that's lacking and that they don't have enough depth and trading King and all of their pitching prospects that were close to the majors. Um, so I, and I don't trust Verdon to stay healthy for a full year. So beyond Cole, I have way more questions about the staff than I do about the lineup. Don't worry guys. I'll do it. I will step up to the mic and take this mantle. And I will say something negative about the Yankees on this podcast. Uh, I don't think that Soto and judge are the best combo. I would take, Although I may be stretching your rules a little bit here, Jake, but I would take uh, Mookie Freeman and Otani over uh, Soto Judge and whoever the third would be for the Yankees. Any two of them. Yeah, you're definitely stretching my rules by putting it to three, but I think you yeah. could realistically make an argument that Betts and Otani or Betts and Freeman are just as good. Yeah. I'd take and two Braves, too. Yeah. Acuna also... and who else? Riley? Probably Riley, but it could be Olsen. It could be Albies. I'll if say Olsen Riley. has another year like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I would probably take Olsen, but yeah, I think any of those guys would be. Yeah. yeah. I just think Acuna is such a 1A above anyone else. but Also, the health for this team is just, I know you, you kind of started to allude to that, Bob, but that the biggest weakness here is the, the lineup, the rotation, it's just not going to be healthy at all. We may may see a month of this as like a healthy functioning roster. And I think that, I mean, it's pretty strong in this division. Uh, maybe not so much elsewhere, but just the, the inconsistency and the lack of health could be what sinks this team and probably will be what sinks this team. I'm going to even simplify it a little bit further. If, if Judge and Soto stay healthy and they get a healthy Carlos Rodon, I think they win 12 to 15 games more than when they won last year, which I think would put them squarely atop of the division. So, if, 94 to 98. Yeah, I mean, that would be that would be a lot of wins. Uh, and I think that's in in play for the Yankees this year. So I'm, I'm definitely a lot more bullish on them. Uh, it does scare me a little bit that Soto might really like hitting there and, uh, you know, go ahead and sign like a 15-year... $600 million contract or whatever, but you know, that's who Boston's holding out on. Don't worry. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the next one here. Uh, the Toronto blue Jays, uh, they were a little less active in the free agent market. Key additions for them were old friend, Justin Turner and Isaiah kind from the Yankees. 
Um, subtractions, I put Matt Chapman and Brandon Belt on that list so far. Uh, they haven't re-signed with them. Uh, Whit Merrifield, Jordan Hicks, Adam Simber. Um, you know, some strengths for this team. Stable rotation, very good defense, strong offense. They're a well-rounded team. They don't have a very good farm system, which is a bit of a weakness. But I think the X factor here for me is whether or not Alec Manoa can bounce back and give this team anything. Uh, or, you know, if, if he can't, how long is it going to be until they end up calling up Ricky Tiedman uh, to take that spot? So what do you think about the Blue Jays? Let's start with you, Keaton. Yeah, I uh, I was about ready to hop back on that Manoa uh, train after his first outing in spring training, and then when he followed that up by when he hit four dudes in an inning, that didn't feel great. So it seems like they're. I mean, it is spring, sure, and they are. I mean, if anybody's working on their mechanics and working through stuff, it's certainly him. Um, but I guess it is positive that he was able to to have some kind of um, you know, exciting results here early in spring, and maybe he'll be able to replicate that. But I, I think I agree with you. It really kind of then hinges on that. The lineup, I think, has a lot of underrated guys in there. Uh, Kirk and Varsho and George Springer, I think, are also really good bats that are kind of go underrated in that lineup. Springer in particular, especially as being like almost 35 years old. And he went 2020 last year. That's, that's pretty darn good. Yeah, I wrote about Toronto on the, the Over the Monster site today and did a bit of a preview, and I was looking back and realized that they have made the playoffs three of the last four years, and they've gotten swept in the first round of the playoffs all three of those years. And kind of argued that they've been the biggest disappointment in terms of how much talent they've had on that team and you know where they've been seated going into the playoffs. And two years ago, they blew a 8-1 lead against Seattle and then they traded Tay Oscar for some bullpen help and then in the playoffs last year against the Twins they didn't score any runs they had one run in two games in the playoffs so I don't know I mean they've got this core of Springer who's 34 and of course Bichette and Guerrero are 25 and 26 and then after that you know that they lost Chapman they lost Merrifield they bring in Justin Turner we all like Justin Turner here, but is this going to continue going into he's almost 40? Um, so I think for them, th th it's just such a buzzkill that they didn't get Otani. I mean, Otani was allegedly on a flight to Toronto to sign a you know 15-year contract or something, and it was the producer from, uh, you know, I don't know, The Voice or something that was on the private plane. Um but they didn't turn around and spend any of that potential Otani money on free agents. It's Kiner Falefa and it's Justin Turner, um, who we like. But I don't know. I, I think as disappointed as we are as Red Sox fans with the offseason, the single most disappointing moment that any fan base had was, you know, Shohei Otani is flying to Toronto to sign here. Uh, no, he's going to L.A. Yeah, that's why it's hard to count on this team, I think. You know, the underperforming aspect of this whole thing, I would I would argue that Vlad has certainly underperformed the lofty expectations that, that he's had. And I, I would say the same, you know, to some degree for, for Bo Bichette. So until these guys do it, uh, I'm not going to look at them as, you know, 
favorites in this division. I, I just can't at this point because they haven't put it all together. So yeah, no, and it's yeah, interesting sorry. to look back, like you said, Bob, because at least two of, or at least one of those years, maybe even two of those years, they were in the playoffs. Going into it, they were the favorite to like win the World Series, and then swept every time. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, and I I think there were some World Series predictions in here a year ago. I was one and, of them. <laughs> but I mean, they're zero and six in the playoffs, and one of those was that goofy twenty twenty season where they were the eight seed and really weren't a playoff team, but. Still, they got swept there as well, and it's it's been a long time since they've won a playoff game. So I feel like this is this is a put up or shut up year for them. And um, no, I don't think Alec Manoa will be the fifth starter for like more than two weeks. All right, so get those Ricky Teedman shares shares in yep. there when you can. Um, all right, let's move on to the team that I'm most bullish on in the AL East. A little preview for when we actually do our predictions. But um, the Orioles, key additions that the Orioles made this offseason, trading for Corbin Burns, uh, acquiring Craig Kimbrell to uh, fill in for Felix Bautista. Um, Jackson Holiday I put under acquisitions because he's the top prospect in all of baseball and looks like he's going to potentially break camp with a starting spot there. Uh, Key subtractions for them. Kyle Gibson and Jack Flaherty uh, go away from their rotation. Aaron Hicks, who actually revived his career with them, is gone. Um, so there's there's a few questions here. Will Holiday break camp at the O's? Um, Sam Basalo, another interesting uh, prospect, could force his way into the first base conversation. Um, there, there's a lot going on with this team. They've got a very deep farm system uh, and, and, and new ownership. So, you know... Let's start with you, Bob. How do you see the Orioles and kind of how do you take all this stuff into consideration, given that they do have the new ownership, they do have the deep farm system so they can make deals, and the team had a very good season last year? Yeah, I think what you mentioned at the end there, that new ownership is where I really started to change my outlook on this team because I still I looked at it how much they kind of overperformed last year. I mean, they won more than 100 games, but they were lacking pitching, and they just weren't going out and making any signings, and then the the team is sold, and they trade for Corbin Burns a day later. And that's just such a game-changer to have that ace and pair him with Grayson Rodriguez. Now, the Kyle Bradish injury is a killer. He broke out last year, probably was a top 20 to 25 pitcher in the league. Um, so that Burns, Grayson, Bradish trio would have been, you know, to go with the young hitting that they have would have been a real elite team. So I think that hurts. They'll see whether that his injury is long-term or not. You know, he's going to be rehabbing. But you mentioned it. It's not just Gunner and Adley and Mullins and Mountcastle that we've seen before. It's that they've got the top, arguably the top prospect in Jackson Holiday. And then there's... if. For anyone that doesn't work out, there is Kobe Mayo and Colton Kowser and Heston Kiersad and Connor Norby. And it's just, they're going to try a lot of these players and see what works. And a couple of them are probably going to stick and get hot. And you're adding that to a team that won over 100 games a year ago along with an ace. 
I mean, it, it, it's hard not to see them up top the division or in the top two this year. It sucks that these guys are in the division because I think this is going to be the most fun team to watch this year, and it's going to suck. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm I'm like just so into Adley Rutman, Rutschman right now that like I'm just even if they're just pummeling the Red Sox, I'm going to be pumped about it. I still think that like one of the things we don't talk about enough in baseball is how valuable a star catcher is. Um, because I think if you look back at baseball history, there's just so much evidence that having a game changer catcher is worth way more than whatever we can measure on the field. You know, if you, you go back to like, you know, Johnny Bench and those Reds teams and you go back to uh, Buster Posey and those Giants teams. And I really think like, Veritech Adley uh, is definitely like within that type of category and just seeing that team last year no one thought it was going to win over 100 games and they did and I think that he's just such a huge part of that so you know that might be one of the areas in baseball that over the next 20 years I could see them really figuring out how to truly uh, value what a guy like that can do for for a baseball team, but I, I might go go so far as to say that um, there's no player in the American League who's as valuable to his team as Adley Rutschman is to the Orioles. People laugh at me for my obsession with catchers, but there's a reason for it. <laughs> and true, also, Jake, I appreciate, as a longtime Jack Flaherty truther, I appreciate that you had him in there as a key subtraction, but the dude had a, an ERA of 6.75. with <laughs> yeah, that's addition by subtraction there, but I'm hoping for a bounce back there in Detroit. You and me both. I like Jack Flaherty a lot, so hopefully he figures it out. Yeah, the I, I don't think the projections are accounting for Adley Rutschman's game calling and working with pitchers, and that's probably worth like five games alone. I totally agree. Uh, and the one of the my favorite moments from last year before we get off of the Orioles here is uh, Adley Rutschman in the home run derby um, hitting from both sides of the plate. I thought that was the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. I, I think in general, switch hitting is the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen, and <laughs> I, I don't understand how anyone can do it. Like, let alone hit tanks from both sides. Like, Right. No, you're bringing a left hand. Stage. Let me go over here. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, so I love that guy. Um all right, so I, I think the, the X factor here before we close the book on the Orioles is just going to be how much time Bradish misses, how much time John Means misses, and whether or not um, you know new ownership wants to go out and uh, trade for another pitcher uh, at some point in the season because they still are probably an arm light uh, in that rotation. But as, as you mentioned, Bob, with all the uh, stars that they have in that farm system, there's going to be no shortage of ammunition to go get anything done they want to. So hard to imagine them not addressing that at some point. All right, let's move on to the Rays here. Um, this is a team I can't figure out. Uh, every year, Bob tells me that they're going to be good, and I look at them on paper, and I'm like, I don't see how that could be true. Um, but it is every year. Um, so key additions for them, you're going to laugh at these names, but, you know, they are what they added. 
uh, Jose Caballero, uh, Ahmed Rosario, Phil Maton, and the big one, Ryan Pepio, who was the uh, prize in the uh, Tyler Glasnow trade. Key subtractions for this team, Wander Franco and his legal troubles, Tyler Glasnow, who was traded, Robert Stephenson, a really very good uh, you know, setup type guy, Manuel Margo, old friend from the Red Sox. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm going to start with you on this one, Bob, because I am, you're sort of the raised guy here. You seem to have figured out what the hell they're doing. Um, and I'm labeling you the raised guy. I don't know if that's fair, but, um, <laughs> you know, how the hell do they keep doing this with all of these guys who just don't seem to be that good? Uh, yeah, I mean... I just, I stopped asking questions a long time ago. I'm not going to try to guess which four relievers that they brought in or are going to trade for in season that are going to be thrown from five different arm angles and, um, you know, one guy over the top, one guy sidearm, some lefties, some righties. They've just figured that part out and they've excelled with um, lower strat uh, salaries. And I think the part that is a little bit different and tough this year is that they tied up so much money in somebody that was uh, dating middle schoolers that it's going to be, along with trading Tyler Glass now, that you've taken away your best starting pitcher and your best hitter. And they can't use that money elsewhere. Um, so it's tougher to see the path this year than it has been in past years but they still have a lot of pieces, you know, between Yandy Diaz and Lowe and Rosarena and Josh Lowe, who I really like, and he's, you know, probably going to be closer to playing every day this year because he's going to have to. They need more impact bats in the middle of the lineup and Paredes, who hits 30 homers. But, you know, they've got a bunch of young pitchers. They, they have Eflin, who stayed on the field almost the whole year last year as an ace. They traded for Savali. They traded for Pepio who was great down the stretch for the Dodgers and is now 26 years old. So they have a pitching staff of 26 to 29 year old stars. And then Shane Boz is going to be that infusion that comes in in June. And it's all a math equation. How are they going to be able to get X number of innings from their starters and this from their relievers? And that's why Shane Boz has been rehabbing long enough for a year and a half that he should be ready. But they're prone to more injuries, and when those starters get hurt, Shane Boz will come in and pick up those innings, and so will a couple other people that we've barely heard of. So I have more questions than I did a year ago just because of those the Franco and the Glass now being major losses, but I still feel like they'll find their way into the playoffs. I can tell you exactly who that reliever is going to be, Bob. All right. It's going to be Chris Davinsky. Dude who's had a run as an elite reliever from the past, reliever. yeah, yeah, already uh, has kind of stumbled the past couple of years. This is like the perfect dude showed up in Tampa and got his groove back because they just know how to fix guys. And it would not shock me if he has five to ten saves by the end of the year. I wouldn't be shocked by that either, especially given uh, the health record of uh, Pete Fairbanks. Yep. So, you know, that's that's a good call right there. I, I did just, like, come to a realization, though, that the Rays are Hydra from the Marvel Universe because whenever you cut off a head, one grows back. 
I mean, I'm looking at their injuries right now. McClanahan, Rasmussen, Springs, Taylor Walls. And and now, you know, looking at the guys who can come up, Mason Montgomery probably going to end up being another stud starter for them. Shane Vaz, as you mentioned. And then they've got two guys who are legitimate sleeper candidates. I'm going to say the first one's not even a sleeper. Uh, Junior Caminero to be rookie of the year. I mean, he's he could potentially be up with the yeah, Rays for most of the season. And then Curtis Mead is no slouch in his own right as a prospect. So it's just like, it's fucking bananas how good they are at developing players. And also the fact that like what they do, it's that exact quote from Billy Bean. My thing doesn't work in the playoffs because their thing does not work in the playoffs either. But at some point that has to change, right? Like, or is it just going to, I mean, I guess it didn't change for Billy Bean. Right. And thank you for pointing out Caminero because she's baseball uh, reference, the, or the, the roster resource, I should say, on Fangraphs. It doesn't have Caminero in there. He was up for the last month or so of the year last year, and he's going to be a big part of the team. So I neglected to mention his name, and he could be, you know, I mean, he could end up playing shortstop, third base, both, and hitting in the top five of the lineup for most of the year. Totally agree with you, though, Jake. You cut off a head, and there's Ahmed Rosario. Hail it's Hydra. So so tough to take. Yep. It is. From All the right. batting perspective, I mean, of course I am an Ahmed Rosario truther, but this was like the perfect landing spot for him because he has the, the utility ability that they like. And this is, like again, kind of similar to all of those, like, weird utility guys that they have that ends up having like a career year with them and then leaving the next season. It feels like that's Ahmed Rosario. It's just kind of the perfect prototype for them. It made so much sense for him to go there. And it was yep. like 2 million, which yep. I just don't understand. Yeah. That's a can't wait match. Made in heaven right <laughs> Your there. boy. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the, uh, slightly less impressive, uh, to say it lightly, AL Central here. And uh, the, the top of the AL Central last year was the Twins, so we'll start with them. Um, key additions to the Minnesota Twins, Carlos Santana, Anthony Disclefani, Manuel Margot, Justin Topa, Stephen Okert. Key subtractions, uh, ace for them, Sonny Gray, Kenta Maeda, Tyler Molly, who was hurt all last year. Um, former super prospect, Miguel Sano, Joey Gallo, Emilio Pagan, Dylan Floro, um, you know, it, it's, it, it's an interesting team. I still look at this team and I say, Hey, they have a strong bullpen, especially at the back end with Duran strong rotation. Um, you know, I, I love, love Pablo Lopez. You know, I really like, uh, Joe Ryan. Um, the lineup to me is a little bit, uh, injury prone, a little bit questionable at times, I'm wondering if Carlos Correa is ever going to be the player that he was before and how that infield of, you know, Julian, uh, Royce Lewis, Alex Kirloff, those types of guys uh, can perform and whether or not they can carry the offense. So I've got some questions about the Twins, a little bit more questions than I have maybe had in years past, but it seems like this is still a solid club. What do you see with the Twins here, Keaton? Well, Byron Buxton says he's in the best shape of his life, and he's going for thirty steals. <laughs> so, uh, so he'll you're, get you're not buying in that two weeks. Yeah, probably. Honestly, that is enough time for him to get thirty steals, though. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, it is It is kind of up and down, the lineup there. And it's a lineup where if everyone stays healthy, it could be really electric. But the chances of that happening are zero. So, And it's one of those ones where they're like you don't even bother putting a percentage on it because half of this roster is going to be out for at least two months. And um, the I, Sonny Gray obviously is a loss, but I actually like the rotation. Uh, I mean, you mentioned Pablo Lopez. Huge fan. Love that. Uh, Ober's been pretty solid there at, at the three spot. It's kind of like a hodgepodge of a rotation of, uh, I mean, Ober's the only guy that didn't start with the twins. Uh, everybody else came from other organizations. Uh, so it's kind of fun to see that put together, but it's like, it feels like it has a high floor, even if right above the floor is the ceiling. It, it feels like it's one of the more reliable kind of rotations, I think. Uh, in the AL, if unexciting. Yeah, yeah, I think I think Louis Varland will probably be part of that rotation, um, but I agree, there's some question marks there. Lopez finally stayed healthy, and that's what we've wondered a long time, what he could look like if he was around for a full season. He put it together, and he's added different pitches, and he was good in the playoffs, and... I don't know. Lopez is 28 now. It's always been your boy, right, Keaton? Or was it you, Jake? I forget. One of you loved Lopez. Yeah, no, that was me. Yeah. Um, he put it together. We saw what he can be, and I think that he's a top 10 pitcher, maybe top 5 pitcher in all of baseball when he's throwing like he did last year. So it's good to have an ace like that. And if you can mix together Joe Ryan, Ober, Varlin, Paddock, Desclafani, I don't think it's terrible. My biggest concern is what you said about the health. Buxton, Correa, and even Royce Lewis, and I love Royce Lewis. He was such, uh, he was so much fun to watch down the stretch. And then first playoff game, hits two bombs right away, and has come back from two ACL surgeries, and is twenty four, and you know going to hit near the top of the lineup. But you have to have as many questions about him injury wise because he was out with an oblique injury last year too, and it's just everyone that they are trying to count on is injury prone, and geez for the the Giants who had Correa signed to that crazy contract. Good thing they saw the medicals because I think that's going to end up being, uh, you know, Anthony Rendon level contract in three or four years. Oof, that's a pretty pretty rough tag to put on uh, Correa. I wouldn't put the Rendon tag on him yet, but you know, I, I see your point. Too strong. Uh, I, I do want to just give a little bit of credit before we move on to our next team here. I don't think the Twins get talked about enough when we talk about teams that are just incredible with their pitching development, their pitching lab, their whole apparatus there for developing and and extracting maximum talent from pitchers. We usually touch on the Dodgers and the Braves and, you know, the Rays and other teams like that um, that have that reputation. But I think the twins for me over the last few years have really cemented themselves as being in that conversation um, for what they do with, with their arms. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, let's move on to the Detroit Tigers. Key additions in Detroit. Mark Canna, Gio Urshela, who's got a starting job. That's why he's not a Red Sox and probably other reasons. Jack Flaherty, uh, Kenta Maeda, who I wanted on the Red Sox. Andrew Chafin, key subtractions. Erod, Spencer Turnbull, Jose Cisnero. Um, when I look at this team, 
it is solid. It is definitely like a 500 team when I stare at it, but I can't figure out if there's anything special about it. And I don't think there is. Um, they do have a lot of interesting young players, Jace Jung, Justin Henry Malloy. Um, you know, those are two guys who I'm interested to see what their timelines are. Um, so I, I'm curious uh, for you, Bob, do you have any thoughts on when Jace Jung or Justin Henry Malloy might force their way onto this team? And is there anything left with Casey Mize, who was once the most promising of the uh, Tigers pitchers? Although not if you listen to me, I always told you it was Tariq Skubal. But um, yeah, I mean, he's a guy who was, was very promising. Yeah, so let's pull up some uh, look at James Anderson. He's always got good ETAs. He's got Jace Young as a 2025, and Malloy is a 2024, and I think that checks out. You know, I think that we'll see Malloy this year. I think that um, the long-term deal with Colt Keith, that's someone that we're going to see this year. And I think for me with the Tigers, it's just how well they finish the season. Um, they were 49 and 63 and they ended up 78 and 84 and that's not you know it doesn't jump off the page but they were really strong down the stretch they were a tough team to play um, they won a ton of games in September they ended up ahead of Cleveland which I don't think people would have seen although Cleveland you know wasn't exactly trying to be buyers or win that division down the stretch and Minnesota ended up winning, running away with it by nine games. But I just think the momentum that Detroit had down the stretch last year and how good Torkelson was, like Torkelson could be a real stud. He was that number one prospect pedigree that we were waiting for for a lot of last season, and now he's 24. And, like, sometimes that stuff takes time. And Meadows, Parker Meadows is 24, Riley Green's 23, Cole Keith's 22. Like, I don't think they're making the playoffs this year. But those are like five guys along with, you know, so Meadows, Green, Torkelson, Carpenter, Keith are all at an age where it's just like they're all kind of coming up together and they should make improvements this year. And, you know, maybe next year they're a playoff team. This team's on the rise and school ball is an ace. I just don't think they have enough pitching beyond that. What you said about Mize, I don't know. He's throwing high velocity in spring training. I think I saw that, you know, as high as he's thrown in several years. Um so if either he or Manning can be a second prospect that hits from that group, then you know they're, they're going to be a, a frisky team to play against all year. Yeah, we've been waiting like the last what two three years for the Tigers to really take that step forward, and it seems like it, it finally started clicking in the second half of the season last year. And if, like Bob said, they can keep that momentum going, then they might actually kind of start um, to be that hot young team we thought they would eventually turn into a couple years ago yeah the, the most amazing thing for me when looking at this roster was like I, it was tough for me to find any big problems with the tigers roster it just epitomizes solid baseball team i will go out on a limb though and say that i think justin henry malloy is going to hit his way into some rookie of the year votes this year i don't think he'll win it i don't think he'll even be top three but i think we will be talking about him as one of the better rookies in the American League. That guy can just flat-out hit, so um, should get some opportunity this year. Jackson, Joe Blooming, too. Yeah, there uh, you go. First-round pitcher there. 
All right, next team, Royals. Um, I was way over bullish on the Royals last year, and guess what, guys? <laughs> I am going right back to the well and falling in love with uh, the Royals. I don't know what the hell has gotten into me, but uh, you know they added a ton to this team uh, this past season. They were active. Um, they added Hunter Renfro, uh, Keaton's guy, Garrett Hampson, uh, Adam Frazier, Michael Waka, Seth Lugo, Will Smith, John Schreiber, Nick Anderson, Chris Stratton. They also have Vinny Pasquantino coming back from an injury. Uh, he is ready. He's playing games in camp right now. He's a, he's a pretty good hitter. Um, Bobby Witt Jr., they signed to a long-term deal. And the only guys they lost were Josh Stamont, Matt Duffy, Amir Garrett, and Hunter Dozier, which really isn't that much. They've also got this upcoming ace in Cole Raggins, um, you know, they've got a lot of really interesting players. Keaton, am I crazy to be bullish on the Royals this year? Well, I think it depends on how bullish. Where, like, where, or give us an early peek into your predictions of where they finish in the division. I think they finish second in the division. Uh, I think that ahead of the Guardians and ahead of the Tigers is very realistic for this team. Do, do, do you remember how many games they lost last year? No. 106. I can't see that happening again. <laughs> but maybe I'm wrong. So they're like 25 games better? I mean, maybe. I. <laughs> you know what's crazy, Bob? I'm buying it. <laughs> I think they might be. Because these okay. the additions that they had are like so tactical for the roster that it is significantly more balanced than it was last year and you have Vinny p coming back uh which will be a big piece uh to that as well i'm kind of buying it man i really like the additions that they made naturally hunter renfro of course but uh specifically with the bullpen too with uh will smith there i also love the lugo signing that was such a good signing as like that middle of the rotation guy who uh at night's could be top of the rotation. It's a nasty curve. I. It feels like it is kind of going to click, and this is going to be one of those classic Kansas City rosters where we don't expect them to finish very well, uh, and they're going to probably win like 85, 86 games. They've got some sneaky thump, too. I mean, M MJ Melendez in left field can hit it. Um, Salvador Perez is going to give you 30 home runs like he does every year. Um, Michael Garcia is an interesting player. You know, they've just, in at the back end of that bullpen, James McArthur. I don't know if anybody watched his breakout last year, but he was really special last season. And hopefully he can continue that and maybe even challenge Will Smith for that, uh, closers job. But there's some interesting players. So go ahead and tell us how insane we are, Bob. <laughs> well, I mean, they might have the best player in the league, so I mean, Bobby Witt Jr. had an unbelievable breakout last year, and he's 23, and they've signed him uh, to the longest of long-term contracts, and it's a great move. And I think that I appreciate that they are trying to compete even while rebuilding. Like, they you know, have had some players that have come up. I agree that Pasquantino, what a huge loss that was in April. Missed the whole season. Coming back, and it sounds like... After a year, his shoulder is, 
is healed and he'll be in the middle of that lineup. But I just can't get on board with like, this is a team that's 25 games better than they were a year ago because they signed Michael Walker and Seth Lugo and traded for John Schreiber. Like, I just think they went too aggressive. Signing Waka and Lugo, I like it because they didn't have to give them crazy. It's not like they gave them reckless contracts or anything, but I don't know. They're they're trading a prospect to, to Boston that might be a potential starting pitcher arm long-term for a 30-year-old reliever who's had one good season. I just don't know if that's good business for a team that is rebuilding and I think has a 0% chance of making the playoffs. Um, you guys think it might be closer to 80? I feel like they'll win 70 games. No way. We got a, we got a dumb bet coming up here. Oh, we absolutely have to. We're not even in the same stratosphere here. No, no. And you're, you're discounting John Schreiber, the ultimate vibes guy here. He's worth probably 10 wins on his own with just the vibes. <laughs> Adley's uh, game calling and John Schreiber's vibes That's worth it. 10 games apiece. That's, That's what we it. learned today. Definition of intangible. <laughs> um, what do you guys think, before we wrap up the Royals, though, Cole Raggins, he's been getting a lot of uh, press as, as, you know, he, he broke out down the stretch last year, was obviously incredible coming over from Texas in that trade. Um, he's had some pretty eye-popping numbers in terms of his fastball and in his induced vertical break and stuff like that. StatCast kind of loves him. Do you guys think that this is really a, a top of the rotation type guy moving forward? I was like seeing him throw 101 this week actually concerned me because <laughs> he's already like he didn't just have Tommy John, he basically had it twice like they screwed up the first and then they had to fix it so he was out for multiple years. And, like, he's obviously nasty coming from the left side. He was so good down the stretch. He went for Chapman, right, in that trade? like Yeah, it was the best trade ever. Unbelievable theft. But I just, when I see guys throwing that hard, DeGrom had the same thing. He had Tommy John. He's throwing 100, and he's unhittable. But it's just, like, the more that I've watched it, these hard-throwing pitchers, I'd rather they throw 96-97 because I feel like the percentage of staying on the field for a whole season when you're a starter throwing 100 isn't that high now that we've had, a, you know, eight years of this era of people just effortlessly throwing 100. So um, I believe in what I see with Reagans when he's on the field. I just don't know how long it's going to hold up. So you heard it, Keaton, right? He's he's Jacob DeGrom. That is what I heard. Yeah. You know who else also had two? Corbin Burns. Ooh. There you go. Two That's surgeries. Get it twice. Yeah. You gotta get he that had robot the... arm. Yeah. Well, I mean, Native Aldi. Can be done. <clears throat> yeah. I'm still uh, working on my first over here, so I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let uh, me know when you get the second one, then I'll care. <laughs> Let's get to Keaton's hometown White Sox here. Uh, key additions for the White Sox, not all that exciting. Dominic Fletcher, bit of a breakout guy for the uh, the uh, Diamondbacks last year. Paul DeYoung, Nicky Lopez, Martin Maldonado, Max Stasi, Eric Fetty coming back from the KBO. 
uh, former Nationals legend there. Uh, Mike Soroka, uh, who had a very promising start to his career with Atlanta. Chris Flexen, John Brebia, key subtractions for this team, Tim Anderson and Yasmani Grandal, who were on that team forever, and then Liam Hendricks, who was maybe the face of that team for a short period of time. So, um, you know, White Sox clearly entering a rebuild phase here. They do have some, you know, guys who, who could be exciting. Oscar Colas, will he impact this team? Will Mike Soroka get back to his form? He's going to get the opportunity now. And will they trade more stars? They still have Dylan Cease. They've got, uh, you know, Lou Bob. They have Eloy Jimenez. You know, are they going to they gonna make any of those moves? Keaton, how do you see it going with uh, the Southside boys? Not good. It's going to be really terrible and frustrating and annoying. Uh, this is a team that was really bad and uninspired a season ago. And they did nothing to attempt to address that except uh, do their damnedest to be even more uninspiring. Um, This is just going straight down the shitter. And it seems like maybe on purpose to to move them somewhere else, uh, which is just so stupid and annoying for the city and the Southside and Sox fans in general. But they're not trying to feel the competitive team. They'll... They'll definitely trade uh, Robert Jimenez, uh, probably Moncada, to... I don't know if anybody's going to take on Benintendi at that contract, but I'm sure they'll try and figure out a way uh, to try and and maybe get some uh, potentially interesting longer-term prospects uh, and to make the team at the Major League level even worse. Uh, It's not going to be great. It is not going to be a fun season for the White Sox. Is that really being floated? The idea of uh, moving that franchise? Yes. Jeez, that's a uh, that's a Terrible. shame to hear as a, a team that's been there forever. Yeah, I mean, this is like a pillar of Major League Baseball history here on the South Side, and that's uh, it is embarrassing that's even being talked about. Yeah, I hadn't heard that. That's the great, bad. Jerry Reinsdorf. Yeah, good lord. Hmm. Uh, you have any more optimism, Bob, for uh, you know any of these young guys or or anybody else on the team that you might like a little bit? This team sucks ass. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, let's move on to the Guardians then. I think uh, we've we've depressed enough people by talking about moving a, a franchise that's been there for over a hundred years. Uh, the Guardians, key additions to the Guardians, Scott Barlow, Carlos Carrasco, old friend alert there uh, for, for them, uh, Ben Lively, key subtractions, Lucas Giolito, who is now a Red Sox, uh, Reynaldo Lopez, Zach the Asshole Plesak, um, and, you know, <laughs> this team, it's just the same story every single year. Pitching development's awesome, hitter development's terrible, they don't spend any money, Um the big question for me is like, what's going on with these prospects? They've got some interesting hitter prospects: George Valera, John Kensky Noel, Chase DeLauder. You know, are any of these guys actually going to hit their way onto this team, or are we going to get the same old Guardians who just kind of stick around on the back of their pitching and then have no offense? What do you think, Bob? Um, I think they're going to be better than what you're making out to be because 
first of all, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have a good staff. Bieber, McKenzie, Bybee, Gavin Williams, Logan Allen, like they're gonna have a very good staff. Um, Class A closing out games, they have that same kind of pitching base that they've always had. I think that Manzardo is gonna play. Um, you know, maybe they hold him down for a month, but I think that he's kind of ready. He might have come up last year. I know he had some personal things going on and wasn't totally ready, but I feel like this is the year that, that he's going to be involved because they don't have enough hitters. But I don't know. Like, Ramirez is still in, in the back end of his prime. Josh Naylor was really damn good last year, and I think between Naylor and Manzardo, they'll split that first base DH. Bo Naylor is a very good young catcher. Um, Jimenez with the power and the speed. And then I mentioned Manzardo, but like Chase DeLauder, I think will be up in the second half of the year too, as like a, you know, a prospect around the all-star break that I think can contribute. It's frustrating. Like I get everything that you're saying there with Cleveland. Like they're just, they don't spend and they don't go above and beyond. And I think the subtraction that is bigger than any of those is Tito leaving. Um, and I think, you know, he, having him around to hold things together is such an underrated quality, but I don't know. I, it's not going to be a strength in the lineup, but I think in that division where you could see 80 to 85 games win it as in any year, I think they're going to be in that mix. Yeah, you, you mentioned Tito's loss too. Didn't they he get filled by a, a former player who's who's the manager now? It's a catcher, right? Former catcher for them. Vote. Steven Vote. That's it. Yep. Yeah. So it was a catcher. And a double um, check. Al- although I think of Steven Vote as more of an athletic for some reason, but you know. Uh Keaton, we gotta yeah. talk George Valera here. Um, George Valera appears to be on the eight-year plan for prospects. I mean, what is what the <laughs> hell is going on with this guy? We've been talking about George Valera um, and, and a few of these other prospects for Cleveland. Daniel Espino is another one who's, who's hurt again. Um, but it seems like they just can't figure out these, these hitters. Uh, what, what happened at Cleveland in terms of hitter development? They can't figure it out. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it's always been, right? They can't figure out the hitting side, but they have the pitching side just completely on lock. And uh, another one of those guys, I was uh, looking at this roster and seeing uh, Brian Rocchio, and I was like, damn, I remember talking about him like seven years ago. Happy to see he's finally there, finally made it. He was uh, another one of those eight-year plan guys um, finally got there. Um, Aries, too. (laughs) It sucks because they have so many really interesting guys that – you really hope one of them is going to work and like, they're going to have another Jose Ramirez. And, um, I, I really hope they do. Cause they still have a, a ton of young guys. Bob mentioned the Naylor brothers. Oh God fills my heart with joy. I really want Josh Naylor to be healthy for an entire season. I just want to get one full season of Josh Naylor, please. He's insane, but he could be like a great player. Yeah. And he's getting Did- better. Did those two um, – was that Josh who taped up Bo's locker in spring training this year? I didn't see that. Probably. That definitely I, sounds like a big brother thing. I, I think I think he did do that. But uh, I'll have to 
to check on that. But I've already seen a little bit of nailer on nailer hijinks, so he I'm not- looking forward to that. <laughs> Knocked in 97 runs in 121 games. That is a, a beastly number and pace. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty impressive. And, and the other thing is that we don't talk about this enough, uh, obviously, because we never talk about the Guardians on our show, but the Guardians have the longest drought in Major League Baseball in terms of you know winning a World Series and the way that they lost 2016 is as happy I was for the Cubs. I just, you, you just want good things for, for the Cleveland guardians. They, uh, they deserve a break after that. That was one of the best baseball games I've ever seen, but without that rain delay, uh, Cleveland has a world series. The, uh, I can't think of the guy's name who hit the home run off Chapman in the, the three run homer to tie it. Oh, this is gonna kill me. Yeah, um, I can't remember. I, I can't even remember the gentleman's name who I was going to say was like a top three most exciting baseball moment that I can remember in my life. Um, <laughs> just you know, just out of Chapman's throwing hundred and one in a playoff game. Raja <laughs> Davis. Game seven. Raji Davis. There it Raji is. Raji right? Davis. Yes. Uh, and I think he made a Red Sox appearance. Uh, he did. A couple of years later. Thank you, yeah. Keaton. You're um, welcome. That was just an all-time insane moment that sticks out for me. And then, like you said, the rain delay and everything got back in check. But, yeah, that just, <laughs> you wondered for a second, like, you know, is Game 7 of the World Series going to get, you know, postponed to tomorrow or something? That was such a <laughs> wild scene. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the thing that just keeps me coming back to baseball no matter what like baseball at its best at its most dramatic is more dramatic than any other sport and i don't think it's that close yeah that's playoff just... baseball and you get reminded when that one o'clock on that first wild card game as long as the game isn't in tampa uh <laughs> you know what the scene is in all of these places exactly what you're saying yeah it's it's unbelievable All right, let's move on to the AL West here, and we'll start with the Astros, who uh, are just, you know, a a lock every single year to be in the uh, ALCS. Uh, How many years in a row? Is it seven years in a row now that they've been in the ALCS? It's something crazy uh, Patriots-like in terms of their their run here. Um, But they were a little bit quiet this offseason. They added Josh Hader to be their closer at the back end, which is obviously a big move. Uh, Victor Caratini, um, subtractions from their team, two relievers, Phil Maton and Hector Neris, as well as veteran catcher Martin Maldonado. Um, They have a fair bit of injuries. Luis Garcia and Lance McCullers, who is perennially on that list, Lance McCullers, but, you know, JV is coming back uh, at some point this year. Hunter Brown could potentially take the leap. Uh, they re-signed Altuve, extended him, so he's going to be with this club for the rest of his career. I look at the Astros, and I still think top to bottom, the Astros have the best team in the American League. I don't see any real weaknesses on this team. The only weakness I can possibly see is that they have a very thin farm system. So they don't have a lot to deal from. Um, but it, it's hard not to look at this team and still see favorites for me. Yeah, I mean, they just have... This is a textbook way of extending your contention window, what the Astros have done, by 
extending Altuve. Um, you know, by having all of these players locked up long term and keeping them there, and then replenishing the players that have le- that have left, going back to Cole and Springer and other examples. And then you still look at this team, and all right, here comes Yiner Diaz, who might sneaky be a top 10, at least hitting catcher, um, after Maldonado leaves. And McCormick, who just filled in and had like 20-20 homers and steals last year with a good average. And Pena fills in for Correa at shortstop. And they have just, they have perfectly figured out a way to extend it. Altuve's still just 33, you know, and he's going to be there long term. And Jordan is going into his prime. Bregman, Tucker, it's just, it looks good at every position, except maybe first base, Abreu at 37 is on the decline. But, I mean, I don't think Verlander is going to miss more than a couple of weeks. And if in Hunter Brown, he hit a wall late in the year. His ERA was over five, but he could be like the breakout pitcher that is going to lead the Houston rotation for a long time. You go Valdez, Javier, Hunter Brown, Verlander, um, and then now you got the back end closer. I just I don't see any weaknesses um, on this team, and they're just going to do what they always do, and they're going to be there whether they make the World Series or not. They're going to be in the room at the end. Speaking of eight-year plans, will Forrest Whitley finally make his debut? No. I haven't thought about Forrest Whitley in quite some time. Right? I, I actually have thought about him because when I was doing these previews, I saw that he was still on the 40-man, and I was like, what? What on earth? Forrest Whitley is still a thing? It feels um, like he's been in AAA, like, about to make his debut and then gets hurt for a decade now. Yes. God, these ERAs are uh, not great and walk rates. I, I just don't, I can't see, yeah. unless something changes, how he could be involved. He's a guy that I really, really want to see him make his debut, though, just for yeah. on sheer perseverance and, yeah. like, Brent finally, kind man, of way. good for you. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have two important questions for you, Keaton. I okay. want you to put on your analysis hat here. Um, Jordan Alvarez versus Juan Soto. Who do you think is the better hitter at this stage in their careers? Juan Soto. Who's, who's scarier? Juan Soto. What do you think, Bob? Um, I think Jordan's scarier. I, he is the last person on the planet that I want up in a big situation with two guys on base. Whereas Soto, he doesn't have any weaknesses, but you know he'll get on base, but he might not hit the three-run bomb that just devastates you. So I can't believe i'm saying this because you know i've been on soto forever but i do think jordan has like taken that mantle from david ortiz as just like the guy who when he's up in the playoffs it's just automatic at this point so i i gotta go jordan here um but soto and yankee stadium that's pretty pretty damn good but those two the fact that both of those two guys are in baseball at the same time, it's just so much fun. Absolutely. Uh, next question for you, Keaton, though, is the back three of this 
um, Houston bullpen in Josh Hader, Ryan Presley, and Brian Abreu are absolutely ridiculous. Uh, is there a better top three anywhere in baseball, do you think? Or is this as good as it gets at the back end? Yeah, that is it. Not not even close. I don't think there's maybe like a full composition of a bullpen, but uh, no. Trying to get through the 7th, 8th, and ninth against this team is going to be an absolute nightmare. Yeah, some real short games there for Houston. All right, let's move on to the World Series champion, Texas Rangers, a team that has been very aggressive in free agency over the last few years, but kept it a little bit quiet this year. Um, they're negotiating some TV deals and, you know, some things a little bit uncertain, also coming off a World Series, so maybe they thought they could relax a little bit, but they only brought in David Robertson, Kirby Yates, um, Tyler Molly, who's still injured at this point, and backup catcher Andrew Nisner. Um, key subtractions, doesn't seem like Jordan Montgomery's going to make his way back to them. Uh, Mitch Garver, who was tremendous for them last season, Aroldis Chapman, Will Smith, Chris Stratton, and old friend Martin Perez. Uh, Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer are also still on the injured list uh, for this team. They have an incredible team, though, still. Um, you know, great lineup, great defense. Um, bullpen and rotation have some questions, but they might have the most interesting uh, two young hitters in baseball uh, right now. Um, on the team, and, and one of them is going to play left field, um, who is, I'm blanking on the name right now. Evan Carter. Evan Carter. And uh, the other guy is Wyatt Langford from Florida, uh, who has just had a meteoric rise in the minor leagues. Um, I guess my question for you, Keaton, is, you know, do you think that Wyatt Langford hits well enough to make it uh, out of spring training on this team. And is Wyatt Langford going to be a legitimate rookie of the year candidate? Yes, to all of it. Um, I mean, he just absolutely cruised his way through the minors last year. It didn't seem like there really was any kind of difficulty at every single level he was at. He just absolutely mashed and crushed and never slowed down and, I don't see why that would change now. Yeah, his numbers were stupid. Um, yeah. He had, he had a – these are his WRC pluses at each level. Complex ball, 194. High A, 192. Double A, 224. Triple A, 177. I mean, he kind of made a mockery out of the – minor leagues although it's still a, a very small sample size but i mean bob are we going to be talking about wyatt langford in the same sort of discussions as some of these top hitters that we've already been mentioning in all of baseball within a year or two yeah and the crazy thing about carter and langford is that they are both rookie eligible and i can't see a likelihood that either one of them isn't up at the start of the season. So you've got that compensation now where if your player wins rookie of the year, you get a pick at the end of the first round. They've got two very strong chances of that with Carter and Langford. Like they probably have two of the top five odds 
of AL Rookie of the Year, and they're going to break camp with both of them, you would think, probably in the lineup, and have two chances to get that pick, which is such a luxury for a team that is coming off a World Series championship, and then you've got that as you know something that you're adding to it. I know Carter played a little bit last year um, and was great down the stretch, but I mean these guys are both 21, 22 years old. It's crazy how strong the heart of this lineup is between Semien, Seeger, and Garcia, uh, and then you add Josh Young, who's a you know in his second year. Carter, Langford, Nate Lowe, Jonah Heim, they are stacked from top to bottom, and it's just there's questions in the rotation. To start the year, they just got to tread water to June or July and get all of these DeGrom, Scherzer, Molly names back. And, I mean, they're going to be a force in the second half, you would think. I just love the way that they've approached this. The the build that the Rangers have, have done, um, you know, going from a bottom dweller in the AL West to just being really aggressive in free agency and signing the right guys and drafting the right players. Uh, this is sort of the optimal way to win uh, as a baseball team, I think. Um, and I was just super stoked that the Rangers won after doing basically everything right by their fan base and, and by everybody there. So I, I'm really, really bullish on the Rangers again this year. You're not subconsciously talking about any other teams that haven't taken this approach, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, not at all. I don't have okay. any trauma from the last four or five years um, right, thank that you. I'm holding back or repressing or anything <laughs> like that. Don't worry. We've got a podcast for that. All right. Next up, we have the Seattle Mariners. Uh, key additions for the Seattle Mariners. Always a busy team in the offseason. They traded for Jorge Polanco, signed Mitch Garver. Uh, they added Luke Rowley, traded for Mitch Haniger, Gregory Santos, Carlos Vargas, Austin Voth, Jackson Coar. Maybe got a little generous with some of those additions at the end. Uh, key subtractions, Teoscar Hernandez and backup catcher Tom Murphy. Um, Matt Brash and his elite stuff are still injured for this team, but they still, uh, on paper, I think, have the best rotation in the American League. The big concern that I have about the Mariners is whether or not this lineup has the thump to compete with teams like the Astros and the Rangers. Uh, and, and I have some big questions there. I think they might be able to compete with the Rangers in their reduced form, uh, at least in the first half of the year. But it's tough for me to look at this team and say that they have what it takes to contend with the Astros and Rangers in that division, looking at that lineup. So uh, what do you, what do you guys think about that? I can start. I mean, the I agree about the the lineup. I mean, th this reminds me of the Kansas City Royals, where there's a player that is uh, one of the best in the league, and Julio Rodriguez, and then around it, you just have a whole lot of question marks and places where you can see, all right, if this works out, if that works out. Uh, but where they differentiate themselves is the rotation that you mentioned, and it's five deep with Castillo, Gilbert, Kirby. Bryce Miller, and Brian Wu, and any one of those could be, I don't want to say, I mean, the top three are all Cy Young contenders, and could be, but Bryce Miller could be one someday, and Brian Wu, you know, he's got kind of some platoon splits, but I mean, he'd be a SP3 on most teams, and he's a five for them. 
Um, so it's just, it's going to be so interesting in this division to see how well the Mariners staff can neutralize the Rangers and the Astros lineups, like you were saying. Um, I don't know. It's, this is the ultimate case of can you win with just dominant pitching and, you know, a superstar and a whole lot of role players around it, which is what they have. What do you think, Keats? Yeah, I mean, I think Bob pretty much hit it on the head there. Besides uh, Julio, there's not a whole lot there that gets you super excited, but the pitching is crazy good. And even the bullpen, pretty decent bullpen too. So it really is like one side of the ball is really going to need to carry the load for the other side there. They'll see if it works. But, uh, yeah, it, it makes it – just because of the the imbalance there, it makes you feel like they're not going to be able to keep pace with the Astros at all, and um, then it, it kind of becomes a crapshoot with the rest of the the other upper teams there on, on where they be able to to break through to make the playoffs. It seems like a difficult task. I guess I wouldn't be surprised if it worked, but I I'm not expecting to go into the season and have that payoff. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a tall task. I, I do think that Mitch Garver is going to have a really good season and have a big impact there. I'm, I'm curious whether or not you think that, uh, speaking of my boy, your boy, Keaton, Mitch Mitch Hanniger, do you still think there's something left in the tank there? I know that he hasn't had his best seasons, but he always seemed like somebody who had all of the skills that it takes to be an impact player. Yeah, um, man, it's really hard because he has just ruptured his testicle. Yeah, that <laughs> among many other things. Uh, yeah, his injuries have been tough. So, and he, I mean, he he's got one full season since 2019. So. I would love to see him put it together for another season, but I think at this point he's just—that's he's, just not going to happen. Yeah, you can't count on it happening. I like that Seattle sure. just said, well, "You know, this is the only place that he's had success." So, you know, let's bring him back in and see if they can replicate that. But vibes, vibes, guy. Yeah, he's got that. John, it's <laughs> all about the vibes in twenty twenty four. I am. I am. Speaking of vibes and uh, not having any good ones, the Angels. Um, key additions to the Angels, Aaron Hicks, Robert Stevenson, Matt Moore, Luis Garcia, Adam Simber, and Jose Cisnero. If all those names sounded like bullpen pieces, it's because they are. And uh, key subtractions, uh, Shohei Otani, you may have heard of him, Randall Grichuk, Gio Urshela, CJ Krohn. They've got the corpse of Anthony Rendon there. Um, and they're still holding Mike Trout hostage at gunpoint. Um, so I don't know what the hell to make of this Angels team. It's just sad. They have a guy in Rendon who absolutely hates baseball. They have a guy in Trout who is just so loyal and stubborn that he wants to stay there and go down with the ship. Um, I kind of hate looking at this team because I just get depressed looking at what the hell is happening to Mike Trout. I mean, when are they going to come to their senses and just do right by Mike and move the guy? The, I told you, that's the guy that Boston's holding out for, right? No, you told me they were holding out for Soto. 
<laughs> I'm just going to keep throwing that out there. Bunch of bullshit. Um, oh, I know. It's just, I, I cannot believe that when you pull up roster resource, it says Anthony Rendon is hitting fourth. It's absurd. He wants to hit ninth so that he has to go up to the plate as few times as possible, collect his paycheck, and get the hell out of there. Um, they have a couple interesting players with Ohapi and Nato, who I, you know, I like both of them, and uh, Shanuel not as much, but they decided to bring him up like 10 days after he got drafted last year. It's such, it's so hard to figure out what their plan is. Um, I feel like they should go out and sign one of these remaining free agent players, whether it's uh, it just, you know, a Snell or a J.D. Martinez or a Montgomery or something like that. Like, this is a team where it's just like, okay, you could add a player and be somewhat respectable because it's they have plenty of, of veterans and they have decent players on this team, but it's just such a mishmash of weirdness and trout that it's just like, you know, it, it's so hard to figure out what the direction here is. And I think that describing it as sad is completely reasonable. Um, I don't know. I, I hope that Trout is gone, let's say, a year from now. And that we don't have to look back at his baseball reference page and be like, how did this guy play three playoff games ever? I got to say, though, so as hard as they actually tried at the trade deadline last year to do something to get the, this team into the playoffs with Otani and Trout together and how spectacularly it blew up in their face, are the Angels cursed or is Mike Trout cursed to just never have success? In the postseason, at least. It's a fair question. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever done a bigger about face on a guy as Anthony Rendon. Um, you, you guys know, like, I spent a bunch of time in D.C., and so I used to go to a ton of Nats games, and I got to be a pretty big fan of, of Rendon's, and I was a big fan of his during the World Series run. And, man, the more I learn about this guy and the more he talks, the less likable he was is. Was he, like, was there any signs of this in D.C.? There were, like, small hints that, like, he might be kind of a jerk. But there were no signs that this guy is, like, hates baseball and is literally only doing it for a paycheck. Um, and over the last three years, we've seen just so many embarrassing things. Like, the sound bites have been embarrassing. His performance has been embarrassing. He's fighting with fans. Uh, it's just, it's really bad. I've never seen a, a player go from being in the conversation for, and I think MLB, when they do their top tens every year, they did actually name him the top third baseman. I think it was just two, three That's seasons That's always a reliable ago. list. Well, yeah, but, you know, he was in the conversation at least for one of the better third basemen in all of baseball, and really he's just proven to be a trash human being. He was third, third in the MVP voting his last year in Washington, 2019. He was so good from so good. 2015 to 20, like 20, or yeah, eh, well, yeah, kind of 2016 yeah. to 2019. That Those four years was so good. And it is hilarious to look at how far his, not only just the stat line, but the full on games played just immediately dropped off 
after he left the Nash. That it's almost comical. He's just stealing money from the Angels right now. It's embarrassing. Good for him. No, I, I don't. I don't want anything good <laughs> for somebody with that attitude. All right. Speaking of depressing things, and uh, you know, I guess we'll just end on a depressing note here with the Athletics. Um, key additions for them, if you can count these as key additions: Abraham Toro, Miguel Andujar, who would have been a key addition six years ago. Alex Wood, Ross Stripling, Scott Alexander, Trevor Gott. Key subtractions, none, because they had nothing to subtract. Uh, questions for them. Can Tyler Soderstrom break out and become a regular player? How many games will they lose? Uh, for strengths, I have they have very nice uniforms. I still uh, really like the Oakland uniform. I think it's classy. It's uh, one of the better uniforms in baseball. Weaknesses, I have everything else. Pretty fair. Also, in uh, enjoy the limited time left you have with that jersey. Yeah, before it gets absolutely destroyed, and they're called like the Vegas Gamblers or something like that. Something yeah, stupid. Vegas might not want them either. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like that like might fall through. Good for them finally come to their senses. And they might be in Sacramento in limbo for a couple of years. Well, yeah, what a mess. I don't yeah. know. There's really nothing to talk about here. There are no... Well, I think the, the... there... I mean, there's a couple things, I think, to talk about. Um, All right, you take Soderstrom is a great one to talk about. Love him. Think he's he's going to break through. Uh, to answer your question, yes, he will break out and become a regular, and I think he'll be a fine baseball player for the team. Estero Ruiz, I also think is interesting. He's still only 25 years old. Um, I mean, there's not any protection for anybody in this lineup. Um, but they have, I think some interesting young guys that, um, are gonna, you know, probably not be on this roster very long. Cause they, they tend to just kind of get a good season out of someone and then trade them to a contender. And then they continue to have a really good career. Um, so I think Soderstrom will probably be the, that next dude from Oakland that does has, is on, is on that kind of plan. Um, and I think they have some interesting things on the uh, kind of the upper minors piece of the pitching, uh, the starting rotation. I don't know if that will really translate into anything for this year, but I think one of those those guys could probably, again, be an impact pitcher for another team in short order. But I think they're... It's not a team I'm going to be following terribly closely, but there are guys I'm going to be like, I mean, Soderstrom, for sure. How's he doing? Um, but, yeah, it's I mean, it's, it's going to be just another terrible year of... How many losses did they have last year? Oh, I got that somewhere. 112? I mean, that's a lot of so many. Games. Yeah, that is just an ass ton. Here's the thing for me, they don't have any prospects. I just pulled up Fangraph's top 100 prospects, and it's Luis Morales uh, at 77, Roy Bear Salinas at 87, and then uh, Mason Miller at 100. And I still have uh, the James Anderson list up. This is more fantasy-focused, but he's got Mason Miller at 60 and Darrell Hernaez at 100. 
Um, jump off the page is the future of the Ace franchise for you guys. Because Miller can't, his arm can't hold up to start. <laughs> I mean, Morales I like is it. interesting, but um, he's a a bit further away. Well, Good you luck. know. Let's let's end with some positives here. I'm gonna I'm gonna wax poetic a little bit about what I think is maybe a top five jersey in all of professional sports. The Oakland A's, all three of their uniforms. I, I'm gonna even throw in the grays there as as being a good one. The green, the yellow, the the color scheme is just clean. The font of Oakland, the A's itself, that logo is perfect. Um, Go on, check out, you know, the, the yellow jerseys are awesome. The Oakland jersey that's Kelly Green and has kind of that uh, Oakland incursive across the front, absolutely fire. The home whites with the athletics, they're all beautiful. The only good thing about this team right now, the jersey. Thank you for ending on such a positive note, Jake. Yeah. I also don't know how I missed that there was a third nailer. That's fun. Nailed it. I think I knew that either. Yeah. Miles Naylor, Oakland. Miles Teller. What? I don't know. It's time to end the show. <laughs> okay. Make sure All you right. leave that in. That was a great ending. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you uh, enjoyed the show today, the, uh, the unconventional preview of the American League, please go on, rate, review, subscribe to the show. Uh, we really do appreciate it if you give us five stars and you know tell us that you you like it. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Keaton at the Spoken Keats. You can follow Bob at Bob Osgood fifteen. You can follow me at, at Dev Jake, and uh, we'll be in your ears again next week. Thanks a lot. <laughs>